the first degree. First degree. First degree. First degree. First degree. First degree. The first degree. These things are supposed to happen in movies, not in real life. No one deserves to be murdered. But the fact that she was so lovely and so loving and that he could cause such harm in such a overwhelmingly tragic and disgusting manner I don't know how else you would describe him. I mean, he must be evil. Welcome to The First Degree, the true crime podcast that you might end up on. My name is Jack Fanick. I'm sitting far away from Alexis Linkletter and Billy Jensen. And right before we started recording, Alexis let me know that it is the season for... Lizards. It's lizard season out here in Hollywood, allegedly. I literally had to go at Billy's house. There was a massive lizard. Well, actually, it was a, it was a baby. Actually, no, he was a baby lizard. It's a lizard. baby he massive was, lizard, though. It's a baby alligator lizard. Yes. He was really cute. And Alexis Alexis was like Crocodile Dundee. She kind of wrangled it and, and uh, was able to get into a cup and then brought it outside. Well, if uh, we have any new listeners, what happened last year around this time is Alexis had two, and we're not talking like a little three, four inch lizard. We're talking, that lizard had to have been a foot long, right, Alexis? Over a foot. Over a foot. Yeah. Over its a tail foot, like, was like a foot miniature long. alligator size. It was when COVID had just started. So it was just very apocalyptic. I was like, what now? <laughs> yeah. It was like they were taking over. <laughs> the murder hornets and then the massive lizard. And there were two in like, my house in one day. And then it vanished, never to be seen again. So it was very unnerving. You have much experience with these lizards. So finding them at Billy's house, you knew what to do. You knew how to get it out there. Um, I'm sure it will come back. Billy squealed. I want to put that out there. Squealed. That's not And then I had to come in and save the day. Mm. (laughs) How you remember things Oh, look at this little guy. Yes. Did we name the lizard? The new one? No. We didn't. We weren't with it long enough. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if it comes back, we'll have to give it a name. Absolutely. Um, Okay. Well, do we want to jump into the day, Billy? Yes, we will jump into the day. The day is September 29th. And they loaded up on coffee today because it's National Coffee (gasps) Day. It's National Mocha Day. And it's also National Biscotti Day. Wow. Wow. I kind of like this themed day. You can celebrate all in one. Yes. I'm not into any of these things, it morphed into another thing or something like that. Yeah. So I can't believe that Alexis doesn't drink coffee. I know. It's very strange. People are always like, you? You? Like, <laughs> you're not on uppers right now? I'm like, who says? I just don't like coffee. You're like, <laughs> you're like I actually am on uppers, just not coffee. That's for my um, behavioral disorder. Not for <laughs> just general energy. Exactly. But the amount of money we spend on coffee, I mean, I'm not a coffee drinker either, but you just go past Starbucks so every morning or or, you know, Dutch Brothers in, in Arizona or something. And it's like, these people are lining up to give, you know, $6 for a cup of coffee. It's crazy. They need their will to live, William. Yeah, they need I to put so. some pep in their step before their soul dies. I am one of those people, and especially over COVID last year, I would find these little moments of happiness by <laughs> going to Starbucks and getting my <laughs> cup of joe, if you will. It really brought me a little bit of joy in a very, very sad, depressing landscape. So And some energy. And, you know, some matter. I need coffee. I need a venti coffee every morning. I have a problem. Wow. Do you drink all of it? 
Yes. No, not always until it does its job with my digestive system. But I don't know what I'm going to do if I have some sort of something happen to me where I can't drink coffee. It'll be a quite a doozy. Sounds like a disaster waiting to happen. A disaster. Well, are there any other days, Billy, or is that it? Uh, Broadway musicals day. Mm. Nothing like a good Broadway musical. That's true. Mm. You're not wrong. Yeah, I guess. All right. Well, that's enough of that. So let's turn on the lights and turn up your anxiety. Because this could be you. Modern dating is a world that is ever-changing. Even with the internet at our fingertips and our ability to Google stalk our love interests, it's still impossible to know everything about someone who you just started seeing. We all have baggage to some degree, but how do we decide how truthful to be about who we are and what we've been through up front? And how vulnerable should we actually be? And can you expect someone to like you or love you if you don't tell them the truth about who you really are? The truth is, ultimately, being authentic is always the move, even if the person bails on you and runs for the hills. Isn't it better to know? In the end, it saves you time and heartache while you're on your journey to find the right person. In today's case, honesty may have just saved someone's life. So today's case takes us back to Thursday, August 6th of 2020, a little bit over a year ago. This was the 32nd Thursday of 2020, the 219th day of the year and the 47th day of the summer. Songs on the charts were Watermelon Sugar by Harry Styles, a classic, Blinding Lights by The Weeknd, and My Future by Billie Eilish. And of course, this time last year, most movie theaters were closed, but movies like Black is King, Greyhound, and The Outpost debuted on streaming platforms. And the setting for today's case is Milton, Florida. It's a relatively small city, about 10,000 people. In the 1800s, the city made a name for itself because of the lumber industry and the mills that would run along the adjacent Blackwater River. Milton is the county seat of Santa Rosa County, which sits in the western part of the state bordering Louisiana. Also close to Milton is another city called Destin, Florida, which is where our first degree, Shanna, met and became friends with a woman named Vicky, who is at the center of this story. I honestly believe they have the world's most beautiful beaches. It's on the Gulf of Mexico, and it was an old fishing town, village. It's grown quite a bit, but it's just, I mean, beautiful. Stunning fishing, snorkeling, beach-going um, I don't, I don't know that there's a better place to live, truthfully. I met Vicki and Destin, and it started because she had her spa business, and I, at the time, had a business partner, and we ran a concierge service, and we did grocery deliveries and all that stuff before it was really trendy and cool, and Vicki actually introduced me to the women's business group and invited me to join. And so we would see each other in some of those meetings and really just networking and promoting, you know, women-run businesses. 
And we're looking at a picture of Vicky right now, and she looks really incredible. And she looks like she is an esthetician. I mean, her skin looks great. She looks happy. She's a huge smile on her face, and she's posing with her dog, who's really cute and has a purple tongue. Like it's part chow or something. It's so cute. And she has like gorgeous reddish brown long hair with a nice bang. And honestly, not many people can pull off a bang, and she pulls off a bang pristinely. Yeah, she looks she looks great. Okay, so back to Shanna and Vicky. So after meeting, their friendship grew from there. Vicky was a 59-year-old esthetician, and she had a true passion for skin. And so for those who don't know, an esthetician is someone versed in applying treatments and performing procedures to the skin as a way to maintain its health and vitality. And they perform services like facials. So Vicky owned her own business in Destin, Florida, which she cleverly named Edge of Paradise Day Spa. Very clever. I'm into it. Vicky's business offered clients massage therapies, facial treatments, Brazilian waxes. She really did do it all. And Shanna started visiting Vicky's spa regularly. I became a client of Vicky. She did facials and waxing, and she was the best of the best. <laughs> and I had never had a waxing before. And I really had no idea what a Brazilian wax was. And I was so nervous when I went in there. And she just was so sweet and calm and like, no big deal. This is what we do. And she's like, hold your cheeks. And I'm like, wait, what? (laughs) I mean, we would talk about, gosh, we would talk about dating and music and God. She was, I mean, she really was just a really interesting and nice and kind and professional and very driven woman. Anyone who knew Vicky, I think immediately became friends with her. Um, Lex, do we need to talk about Brazilian waxing and how awkward it usually is? Um, you know, I think that whole situation, if you find someone who makes you comfortable while you do it, they're a keeper. And I think this says a lot about Vicky. If she, she had this ability to kind of put you at ease because it's not a fun thing to have done, but oftentimes necessary. Well, and having somebody be able to distract you and to connect with someone while you're doing something very uncomfortable, uh, it definitely is quite a skill. Sure. So back to Vicky. She knew a lot of people in this community because she also grew up close by. Vicky is originally from Fort Walton Beach, which is just 15 minutes away from Destin. And she went to college at the University of West Florida. And people close to Vicky described her as an extremely caring and loving person. In Vicky's spare time, she would organize fundraising for charitable organizations. She would help lonely elderly people by spending time with them. And she would routinely give clothing and food to the homeless. And people who do these things are truly, truly selfless individuals. And we should all work to be a little more like Vicky. Vicky was single when she met Shanna. But she had been married twice before, in 83 and again in 98. And Vicky had a son named Chase, who she had in her early 20s. And despite the fact that two of her marriages did not end well, she was still a hopeless romantic. She pursued dating regularly And she would talk to Shanna about her dating experiences. I was probably more of like a serial dater. You know, she asked me how I was doing and how, you know, the guy I was dating was doing. And we would chat about that. And then she would say, oh, I went on a date. And, you know, he's nice, but he was kind of weird. Or 
you know, I went on a date and he's nice. I just don't know if it's going to work out. But she'd often laugh and find certain things kind of funny. And I remember her dating a guy for a little while and he was super nice. She really liked him. And they did like a lot of the bike rallies, I guess, you know, like the motorcycle. I don't know why they ultimately ended it. I just remember her saying they were no longer together. She was never irresponsible in my mind with her dating. And Vicky refused to give up on love. She wanted to find love and that because she was so genuine and so loving and so gentle that that was, I think, what she was looking for. And so she wasn't going to settle for less than that. Eventually, Vicky found another method to find guys near Destin. It was the internet, online dating. And it's worth mentioning that according to eHarmony, and they've done polls, 40% of Americans use online dating as a way to meet other people. A more glaring thing worth mentioning, and this plays a big role here in this story, 53% of online daters lie on their online profiles. 20% of women surveyed admitted to using an older photo from when they were younger. And then this is also interesting. More than 40% of men said they lied about their jobs and their income in an effort to sound more successful and be more appealing. So I think probably to a degree, I mean, we've all heard these stories about people misleading. Yeah. If people are lying about their appearance and they meet in person, that's something that's going to be sniffed out rather quickly. But a man can lie about their life, their income, their job kind of indefinitely, depending on how skilled they are as a liar. Oh, absolutely. I remember a very specific guy that I had matched with on, I think, Bumble back in the day. And he told me that he worked for the CIA in (laughs) counterterrorism. Was he telling the truth? I never really got the chance to find out, but I'm going to assume that's a lie because (laughs) what are the odds that I would match with him? And then he didn't have wrinkles in his forehead. And he said the reason why is because he learned how to move his face so people wouldn't be able to tell if he lies from expression. That's a lie. (laughs) That guy's lying because I don't think if you're in CIA counterterrorism, you're allowed to tell people that. Like, I'm pretty sure you have to keep that a secret. Yeah. And that dude gets Botox on his forehead. Absolutely. I'm like, you just are embarrassed to admit you get Botox, which you should not be ashamed about. You know, men need to keep up with the appearance. Men need to keep looking good for us. This isn't a one way street. That's right. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I've dealt with a lot of people lying on their profile, but it a lot of times it is physical. But, um, you know, if you're kind of making up this best version of yourself, people, people can lie. Totally. So there are risks to online dating, which we all know about. And what you see in an online profile is not always what you get. And despite this fact, the number of people utilizing online dating has been steadfastly increasing year after year. In fact, it's been projected that there will be 280 million online users of dating services by 2024. And Vicky didn't shy away from online dating. It worked for her as it works for many people. And this is especially because she was so busy running her business. And it's really hard to go out there and try to make people in real life when you're always so busy. But as most of us were probably aware, there is always a chance in online dating of getting matched with a creep. So she definitely met people online. But again, I mean, if you look at our area, you just would never think that there were creepers there. I mean, I know there are. I mean, there are always creepers everywhere. We know that. But it's so small that chances are you know somebody who knows that person because it's just not 
a huge area. Vicky would usually pick a fun activity for her first dates. She loved going out. I mean, you know, she would like dancing and I think the you know, music, she loved live music. And so I think probably a lot of her dates were just that, you know, going and hanging out at the bar with live music. And nothing that would otherwise appear dangerous. Vicky didn't give up. And eventually she met a man who she truly believed was the one. And his name was Jerry Odom. He was 61 years old and he lived in Milton, Florida. So here's a bit about Jerry. He moved around a lot in his life. He had lived in Missouri, Alabama, North and South Carolina before coming to Florida. And according to his Facebook page, he went to college at the University of Alabama. And like Vicky, he too had been married twice. His first marriage was in 81, and his second was in 2013. And that second marriage had just recently ended in divorce in January of 2020. And we're looking at a picture of Jerry right now. Um, To me, he looks like a guy, 60-year-old guy. He actually has most of his hair, which is impressive at that age. Um, He's wearing glasses, has a little smile, but nothing too um, noticeable. Mm -mm. Standard dad look. This guy looks like your average white guy. Yes. Not ugly, not handsome, just standard He looks like he has a Southern accent. He might not, but he's got that Mm. look, you know? Yes, yes. He looks like he probably curses a lot. (laughs) I don't know. I'm just projecting my experiences onto this man. Uh, But here we are. So things blossomed between Vicky and Jerry after they had an awesome first date at a restaurant. And Vicky found herself really impressed by him. And he told her all about the work he did as a local realtor who bought and sold properties in the area. And this provided a really comfortable living. And to Vicky, this was appealing because remember, she too was a successful entrepreneurial business owner herself. So ambition seemed to be something that they both shared. So this seemed like a perfect pairing. And the relationship continued in the right direction. Jerry even started sharing pictures of he and Vicky together on his Facebook page. And as everybody knows, this is a huge, huge move and a deal in the world of social media. I'm assuming even for people our parents' age. And the photos were of the two of them celebrating Jerry's birthday at two different restaurants. And we're looking at these photos right now. And by all accounts, they look happy and newly in love. They're both, I think, selfies of them like smiling together and looking really cute and cheerful. Honestly, Jerry's looking a lot better in these photos. Jerry's looking a lot smoother skin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she she might have gave him some tips. Absolutely. Yeah. And two different restaurants too for one birthday. I love that. She is gorgeous, by the way. Like, she really is. And it's not just looks like she's got a, you can tell, like, her smile is huge. And she's got this, like, very, this spirit that kind of radiates when you look at her. Yeah, she's got a bit of a glow to her. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They look happy. And they were. Things were going so well between Vicky and Jerry that they wanted to start a life together. And it made perfect sense. They were both around the same age. And after two separate marriages, they saw a promising future with each other. Despite their very quick courtship, they set a date to get married, October 24th, 2020. And they started spreading the word of their impending nuptials to all of their friends and family and neighbors. Right. And Vicky was thrilled because remember, this is what she was searching for with this online dating. And her loved ones were happy for her. But Vicky's brother, Derek Edge, told Vicky that he thought the relationship was moving a little too fast and suggested that she and Jerry slow things down. I mean, after all, what is the rush? Derek lived in Baker, Florida, which was almost an hour away from where Vicky lives. But he and his wife were very close to Vicky, and they talked often. 
And a particular piece of advice that Derek gave to his sister was that it typically takes around a year to truly get to know someone. That's really when people start to show their true colors. And he urged them to wait before getting hitched. But Vicky, her mind was made up and she was head over heels for this guy. So she didn't see a reason to wait. And her loved ones try their best to be happy for her and be supportive regardless. The couple was moving forward and Jerry, who said he was madly in love with Vicky, wanted to give everything in the world to his soon-to-be wife. So first, the couple went house hunting to look for a dream pad to shack up in. And since Jerry was a realtor, he obviously knew the best neighborhoods for them to look in. And after touring houses, they set their sights on a lake house in Defuniac Springs, which is a quaint area with a beautiful lake at the center of the city. And prices for lakefront property in this area range anywhere from hundred grand to over a million bucks. But a house wasn't enough for his new love. Jerry wanted to give Vicky a wedding present as well. So he handed her a magazine and said, pick out a new car, and he would buy it for her. Now, Vicky already had a car. She had, drove a red Pontiac sedan, but who wouldn't take a shiny new car? This is a dream scenario. Who wouldn't want to be showered with love and romantic gifts? But remember, Vicky did well on her own and probably would have loved Jerry even without the expensive presents. Right. And by the summer of 2020, the couple was well into planning their October wedding. And it was getting to the point where they needed to start paying vendors. So Jerry gave Vicky a $15,000 check as a start. So needless to say, Vicky was over the moon happy at this point in her life. She'd found the man of her dreams after so many fails online dating attempts. And she's about to embark on this whole new chapter of life. And despite being swamped with work and wedding planning, Vicky still made the time to help people in her community. In fact, Vicky was preparing to change the life of a friend of hers who needed a kidney transplant by donating her own. Vicky was a match and was eligible to donate. And this is just the type of person that Vicky was. The fact that she was planning something as exciting as her wedding, but she was still making this a priority of hers, it really speaks volumes of her character. And Vicky explained her choice by saying that God had called on her to do this. She set the transplant surgery for January of 2021, and things were all set. Or they seemed like they were. On August 4th, 2020, Vicky had learned that her plans to save this woman's life wouldn't be possible. Because Vicky discovered that she had stage 2 colon cancer. And this is a crushing diagnosis for several reasons. Most of you likely know someone affected by cancer in some form... It's not something to take lightly. But for Vicky, the diagnosis wasn't what devastated her. What crushed her is that she was now unable to donate her kidney, which was Vicky's top priority. Right. So on August 5th, Vicky spoke with her brother, Derek, about how upset she was about this, about how she'd made this promise to donate this kidney, but now she couldn't. But Vicky, being the type of person she was, this incredible human being, was still determined to help. So she told Derek that she would spend the day and spend a lot of time trying to find a new donor for this recipient. This is truly a selfless and wonderful woman. And before Vicky hung up the phone with her brother, she mentioned that she was going to be visiting Jerry's house the following day. And reminder, Vicky lives in Destin and Jerry lives in Milton, and that's about an hour drive away. She was going to Jerry's house because he told her that he had this big surprise planned for her, probably something to cheer her up after all of this bad news. And Vicky assumed that it meant that he had a wedding ring for her since their wedding was quickly approaching. The next morning on August 6th, around 8.30, Vicky leaves for Jerry's house. 
and she was planning to stop by his house first for the surprise before heading to work. She texted one of her employees to put one of her clients on the books with a smiley face and two pink heart emojis. She was clearly in a great mood as she headed to Jerry's. But here's the thing. Vicky never arrived at work when she said she'd be there. So where was she? The assumption was that she was still at Jerry's. Her brother Derek was ultimately notified, and Derek tried to call and text Vicky, but he didn't receive a response. And this is strange because it's very unlike Vicky. She's typically very good about responding to her friends and family. Derek and his wife became very, very concerned, and this is why. It turns out that even though Vicky was slated to marry this guy, her brother Derek had never met him before. So they didn't even know where Jerry lived. And I wanted to ask you guys, like, is this a red flag that her family hadn't met her future husband? So my instinct is yes. But my wonder is, there. this is her third marriage. And it's like, maybe, maybe she's yeah. one of those people that's just like, I'm not making a big deal of it this time. Like, mm-hmm. maybe it's not that big of a... I don't want to downplay marriage to any degree. You know what I mean? But it means something different to everyone. And I just... That's and maybe because Derek wanted her to slow down. She was apprehensive about introducing them. I mean, I can think of a million possible reasons, but my instinct is that it's weird. But I don't know. Yeah, it's a it's a little bit bizarre. But yeah, I mean, you're totally right. Like everything is kind of nuanced, and relationships are also different. And depending how close she was, like there's so many different factors. Totally. What do you think, Billy? I think that as you're uh, you're getting older and in age. You're not really relying on your family for uh, any kind of sort of approval Approval. or or testing or anything like that. And, um, you know, she was just doing her thing. Yeah. So the next day, Friday, August 7th, Derek and his wife still can't get a hold of Vicky. They found an address for Jerry online, but they had no idea whether it was valid or not. And they didn't have any other course of action, so they decided to go to the address. When they arrive in Milton, Derek knocks on the door and a couple comes to the door, but it's not Jerry or Vicky. Someone else had bought the house after Jerry moved out. But the couple actually did know where Jerry was located. It turns out Jerry was renting a home in the same neighborhood, and they pointed in the direction of his place. So Derek and his wife pull up to the brick house, where this couple said Jerry lived now. And something sticks out to them immediately. They see Vicky's red Pontiac in the driveway. So Jerry's white truck is parked right next to Vicky's car. And all of the homes in this community were one-story townhomes. So trying to paint a picture of what Derek and his wife came upon. Vicky's car was also backed into the driveway, which leads right to an attached garage. But immediately, Derek noticed something very strange about his sister's car. Her license plate was missing. So when Derek walked up to the home, he heard barking from the inside of the house. And he recognized this barking as the barking of Vicky's dog, Buddy. And Buddy is the dog we described when we were talking about this picture of Vicky. He's so cute. Very cute dog. But very alarming. You know, it's like, yes, it would give me the willies if I saw my friend or family member's car, the license plate gone. You know, it's just the whole scene oh, yeah, you know probably something's made, his, wrong. made his blood run cold, I'm sure. Yeah. Yes. So this is obviously a terrifying moment for Derek. His sister has been missing for a day, and the signs from outside of the house obviously are not calming his concerns. I could hear Buddy inside barking and going crazy, and I was calling him, and I called for Vicky and Jerry, and no answer. And I went around each window, banging on it. 
Derek was yelling Jerry and Vicky's names into the home, and he continued to hear no response or any indication that anybody was inside. And meanwhile, Buddy the dog is still barking from the inside, so Derek knows her dog is at least there, and Vicky obviously can't be too far away. So where is Vicky and where is Jerry? Okay, so it comes as no surprise that I have absolutely no idea how to cook. I don't want to learn how to cook. It's not really my thing. But when I tried Factor meals, it was a freaking game changer. So Factor's fresh, never frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. Yeah, two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great tasting meals. So the first time I tried Factor meals, I was actually blown away because I'm like, that's it. That That's all it is. Two minutes and the meals are so delicious. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every single week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. And you can treat yourself to restaurant quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, ooh, fancy, shrimp, and blackened salmon. Like I said, they're so easy to prepare. I love them. So head to factormeals.com slash degree50 and use code degree50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code degree50 at factorymeals.com slash degree50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. It's almost summer and the best and most sustainable way to shop for a new season is on therealreal.com. The Real Real is the largest and most trusted source for authenticated luxury resale. It's the only place you'll find brands like Hermes, Cartier, Prada, Dior, Staud, Zimmerman, Jacquemus, and more for up to 90% off retail. 10,000 plus new arrivals land every single day from hundreds of brands you love, all authenticated by a team of in-house experts. Whether it's that perfect wedding guest look, a new summer sandal, an updated beach tote, resort wear for your summer vacation, you're bound to find exactly what you're looking for, plus deals you won't get anywhere else on therealreal.com. Visit therealreal.com and use code FIRST at checkout for 20% off. Terms apply. Derek and his wife waited for hours outside, hoping one of them would appear. But nothing. It starts getting late. With his worry increasing, Derek calls 911 and deputies from the Santa Rosa County Sheriff's Office arrive at Jerry's home around 7.30 to do a welfare check. When the officers knock on the door, no one answers. But then, after consistent knocking, they notice some movement in the garage. It's a person. It's Jerry. Jerry then walks out of the garage and asks them what the problem is, kind of casually. Jerry had actually been inside the entire time. So with Vicky's car just sitting feet away and Vicky's worried brother right there, police ask, where is Vicky? And Jerry says, she is inside, but I have to tell you something first. She's been dead for two days. Vicky Edge had been missing for two days after telling her brother Derek that she was visiting her boyfriend Jerry Odom's house. Jerry told Vicky that he had a surprise for her, and Vicky thought that this surprise would be a wedding ring for the October wedding that they'd been planning. But then, Vicky went radio silent. 
So her brother Derek went looking for her, which landed him in front of Jerry's house with Vicky's car in the driveway. After calling 911 and the police arrive, Jerry came strolling out of his house and drops a fucking bombshell on them. His soon-to-be wife had been dead for two days. The investigators immediately enter the house, and as they're walking through, there was a photo of Jerry and Vicky's first date sitting in a frame on a table. There was also a birthday card Vicky gave Jerry from only two weeks prior. In the card, Vicky wrote, I'm so thankful God put us together, looking forward to many more together. There was also a red bucket filled with water, and inside the bucket was a cell phone. When police entered the living room, they made a horrifying discovery, which they expected to make based on what Jerry had told them. They found Vicky. She was lying on the living room floor, and she wasn't moving, and there was no indication that she was conscious or alive. It was clear that Vicky had suffered blunt force trauma. She had hits to the head, and it seems as though she was hit with this baseball bat that they also found inside, which was covered in blood. They also found a blood stain on the chair in the living room. Our first degree Shanna remembers the moment she found out about Vicky's murder. At the time, she was at her house in California, but the distance from Florida didn't soften the blow. I was at home and my friend had asked me, hey, did you see the news about Vicky? And I said, no, what are you talking about? And so I immediately started typing it. And I said, oh, my goodness, what in the world happened? And so I just started Googling, and I couldn't get off of Facebook fast. You know, like, I mean, I just was looking at her page and looking at his page and following all the comments and everything. It just was so surreal to hear all the chatter about it. And then everybody kind of knew who had done it, but the why, everybody was trying to figure out, you know, the why. One of Shanna's close friends worked for Vicky at her spa, so this is where she is getting most of her information from. I was absolutely shocked because, again, I mean, to know Vicky is to love Vicky. And when I had heard before it was published that this man that she was dating, and it wasn't her first date. I mean, she was in a relationship with this man. They were planning on getting married. I had heard before all that was that he had beaten her, and it was a very messy and horrifying death. The details turned out to be much worse than anybody could predict, and there was one obvious suspect from the very start. Detectives with the Major Crimes Unit begin to question Jerry to find out what happened. Because this wasn't a random, unexpected murder acted on in the heat of the moment. Jerry's confession would reveal he had actually conspired to kill Vicky in a premeditated plan. How could he do this? And as Shanna mentioned, the real question here was why? For that part of the story, we have to go back to a week prior. One day in the last week of July, Jerry was seen in a surveillance video walking into a Walmart in Milton. Then he approached the checkout line. In his hands were a beach ball, and a baseball bat, the same baseball bat that would be found at the crime scene. He was wearing a bright green jacket and a red hat. And it's a very eerie feeling to see him on video knowing that he is planning to use the bat for something 
incredibly sinister. It really is, but it's not the only thing that's going to make you feel uneasy about this. Several days later on August 6th, we told you that Vicky went to Jerry's house. She arrived just before 10 a.m. because remember, she had to go to work after. She backed her car into the driveway because she was planning to leave for work shortly after she arrived. And she was really just stopping by to get this so-called surprise that Jerry had for her. Once she was inside, Jerry asked her to put a blanket over her head because this was sort of the scene he was creating to give her this surprise. Like, cover your eyes, put this blanket over your head while I, I give you this surprise and reveal it to you. And according to Jerry's confession, this is when he hit her four to five times on the head with a baseball bat. Vicky started screaming and yelled, why are you doing this? And then Jerry used the bat to choke Vicky on the floor until she died from not being able to breathe. And to hear that these were the last moments of life for this woman who did so much for other people, it's just sickening. Jerry would later tell authorities that he did have guns in the house that he could have used to kill Vicky, but, quote, didn't want to go that route because of the noise that would have been heard throughout the neighborhood. Honestly, this guy is so perplexing because, like, look at the broad strokes of this. He's been married twice, okay? So it's not like Mm -hmm. he's this, like, unmarriable psycho. Like, incel, yeah. Yeah, like, clearly he is, but it's just, like, I struggle to understand these killers who, when they're about to be, you know, maybe outed for something or, like, the motive here is so confusing and it seems like such a senseless ridiculous crime and i think part of him was like hey i'm gonna lose her if she finds out the truth so no one else can have her or is she is it like i don't want anyone else to have her or is it that she's expendable i i I don't know i feel like a lot of times it's the getting found out part but it just seems like such a um non- extreme thing like you see these people getting backed into corners right and then they're like the only way out must be to either kill my whole entire family or whatever like this when you like see what happens before the murder happens it just doesn't seem like it's just so weird it's very similar to what we dealt with with the uh simonette mapes case you know what i mean like he she was about to find out that he wasn't really he hadn't graduated from his master's degree you know what i mean like we see this in a lot of yeah. cases where men are about to get find out for found out for these elaborate lies and these elaborate demonstrations they've put on in their lives and it's like you'd rather go to jail than like tell the truth like is that really it just and makes kill, no yeah, sense kill somebody, somebody. And go to jail. no obviously was. but kill somebody and go to jail yeah. i mean i meant the whole thing but it's just like you'd rather do that than be like yeah i lied about that i mean yeah. admitting it seems easier or break up with them it's Anything. like they weren't even married. There wasn't even any baggage that could have happened between the two of them. It was a brand new relationship. It could have been like cut ties, wash your hands of this. And he was just... He could have literally just actually ghosted her. Mm-hmm. And it would have been so easy for him. And she would have just been like, uh, well, that was weird. I dated him for like a less than a year and he just we were going to get married. Yeah. yeah. As we're going to learn too, it's not like he had a plan either. So after Jerry did the unthinkable, Vicky was left in the living room and her purse was on the couch but he doesn't call the police. He puts Vicky's phone in that bucket of water so no one could contact her. He changed his clothes since they had blood on them after the attack. Then he walked outside and removed her license plate and left her car in the driveway. Also, like, was the was the bucket of water necessary? Like, turn the phone off. Like, that's your, that's your grand forensic cover-up? Like, that's it? Yeah. He's a fool. Obviously, Jerry wasn't sure what to do next because he didn't know what the hell he was doing. So he left Vicky there and left and 
at this point, he drives around the city and he decided he couldn't sleep in this house because he's above that. So after driving for 30 miles, he ended up at a hotel in Crestview, Florida and spent the night there. So the following morning, August 7th, Jerry returned to the house, still didn't know what to do with the situation. Uh, He had no plan, as Billy said. So he's like terrified of what to do next. And he instead decides to act like it's just a normal every day. He takes Vicky's dog for a walk, and then he visited one of his neighbors, Carol McCaffrey. And here's what she told investigators about his behavior that day. He kept asking you what time it was, different times. He said, what time it is? What time is it? And he would go and check on Vicky and come back and say she's still sleeping. During his confession, Jerry said he killed Vicky because he wasn't exactly the person he said he was. And get this, this wasn't the first time he considered killing Vicky. He had been considering doing this for a while. So why the fuck did he commit this senseless murder in the first place? Well, according to Jerry, the $15,000 check that he gave to Vicky for their wedding was going to bounce because he didn't have the money in his account. And so this is where things get so weird. Jerry told the police that he had no other way out of the situation because he couldn't have Vicky find out that he was a liar. So... It's like, did he have Vicky up on a pedestal that he he couldn't bear the idea of rejection? Or is he such a fucking narcissist that he couldn't bear to give up this facade that he had crafted? It's it's so frustrating and sad, especially because Vicky had money in her own right. And according to Shanna, she wouldn't have given a fuck whether he had money or not. She just wanted to love somebody. That's what doesn't make any sense, because that's what's in his mind if he thought he was going to lose her over that. If he knew her at all, then... That just wouldn't have happened over money and a wedding. It's so puzzling. You go through those emotions of heartbreak and just utter anger for something so senseless. And then to completely just dumbfounded as to trying to understand why. Jerry was arrested at 1029 p.m. on August 7th and charged with the first degree premeditated murder of Vicki. He was taken to the Santa Rosa County Jail without bond. By August 24th, he was indicted by a grand jury on the same charge. And if convicted, he would face either the death sentence or life in prison without parole. Also, it turns out that Jerry's money problems were greater than anyone knew. According to court documents, when Jerry tried to apply for a public defender, he had no money in his account and was actually in debt. And the most heartbreaking part of all of this was that Vicky was just looking for love, not a man that had money. I mean, Vicky would never have cared about that. But I mean, you know, she would care about you being dishonest. And you might be wondering, like, what about Jerry's job as a realtor? Shouldn't he have some money from that? Well, it's probably no surprise at this point that that entire narrative was a lie that Jerry concocted. He didn't own properties. He didn't sell them. He wasn't a realtor. We did a deep dive into Jerry's employment records and could only find two things. At one point, he had worked at a Burger King. And This was when he was living in North Carolina, and we have evidence that he worked as a karate instructor. But according to Shanna, he also taught martial arts in Florida as well, which is disturbing because he's teaching kids. I texted my sister because my niece took martial arts like Taekwondo, and I messaged, I said, oh my goodness, do you know this guy? And she said, yes, he taught at the studio that she went to. It's so gross. It is absolutely, and again, in a small town, 
these things didn't, I mean, they don't happen. I know you hear that a lot. They don't happen in these, you know, towns. It's chilling that a man like this taught children martial arts. And looking at Jerry's Facebook page, you can see a lot of pictures over the years with him and his karate classes. But there's still no indication that he was ever a realtor at all. Shanna also did her own research, and she found something that really stuck out to her. I started looking up stuff that on his page, and I had scrolled back through his Facebook and saw somebody refer to him as Scary Jerry from his college days. And so part of me is like, oh, wait, was that something? Is there more to that? A lot of people on there would say, you coward, too bad you're a murderer, you know, just like keep on commenting all that. Jerry had used his realtor status to swoon other women as well. For instance, his previous girlfriend before Vicky. This woman also met Jerry online. And on the second date, Jerry told her that he drove an old truck. But he was a millionaire because he invested in real estate over the years and did very well for himself. The girlfriend gave an interview after Vicky's murder detailing an incident she remembers that in hindsight could be very disturbing. One night, this is an interesting thing. I had been, I wanted to watch this movie that was out. It was called Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So he came over and like I said, he's very agitated, very hyper, having his drinks and he watched the movie with me which is it's a spin on the Manson murders. And he knew everything verbatim that was going to happen and would tell me this is the way it really happened. So obviously the Manson murders in 69, it didn't involve a baseball bat. So there's not much we can pull from this as sort of there being a connection here. But we can understand how this could come as a red flag in hindsight for someone like an ex-girlfriend who's found out that Jerry killed his next girlfriend. Obviously it doesn't mean that Jerry killed Vicky after being inspired by the Manson murder story. And besides, spoiler alert for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, the script is flipped and the only people who get murdered are the Manson family members. But it was something else the previous girlfriend revealed that could have been a red flag if Vicky had known about it beforehand. Right. And that's that Jerry had a previous criminal history. During our research, we found out that he had three prior offenses in North Carolina. Two were labeled as infractions from 2004 and 2013, and the third was labeled as criminal in 2015, but we're unable to see what these offenses were. But the thing that's kind of sketchy is that the former girlfriend revealed that Jerry's brother was actually an attorney, and his brother was able to get Jerry's previous records expunged. And that's the reason why we can't see the details of what charges he was convicted of. But knowing that he was a past criminal makes us wonder what else he has done and what else he's capable of. The previous girlfriend recounted something else that is eerily similar to Vicky's murder. One day, Jerry told the girlfriend he had a surprise for her and told her to close her eyes. But when she opened her eyes, he actually had a diamond ring in front of her. That makes me really sad. Like, why Vicky? Like, if you are fine with these breakups, you know, you're fine with things ending. It's just like... And lying. Well, was it so... She was so special and wonderful, like, you couldn't bear the idea of losing her? Like, what the fuck, man? Yeah. Either way, this relationship with the ex-girlfriend, this this scenario where he presented her with a ring, it did not lead to an engagement. And that relationship ended. But there was an instance where, after this breakup, she found Jerry inside her house after they had broken up. And he had kept a key she had given him while they were dating. That's really fucking creepy, to say the least. And obviously, following this incident, the past girlfriend distanced herself from Jerry. 
And she had this to say about who he really was. He was a pathological liar and a manipulator. If I, if I had met her before, I definitely would have told her to run as fast as she can. But he gave her everything he gave me. And that was the dream of uh, a future. Vicky's funeral was set for a week after her murder, and family and friends helped raise money to cover her funeral costs. But they even went a step further because that's what someone like Vicky deserved. Remember how she had just been told that she could not donate a kidney due to her cancer diagnosis? So a portion of the money raised would be going towards the transplant surgery of whatever donor would qualify. And Shanna had also been recently diagnosed with cancer, and knowing that Vicky wouldn't get a fighting chance at beating the disease really upsets her even more. And I feel so sick to my stomach. And I, I mean, I mean, I cried, you know, when I first learned about it, because again, I mean, no one, I mean, no one should lose their life that way. Something else that, you know, really... I think hit me and a lot closer to home than what I had thought was she learned that she had colon cancer and I was recently diagnosed with stage four breast cancer and the thought of her never being able to actually fight the disease because some maniac like stole that from her, it just hit me in a whole new, you know, place. I mean, at least I have a fighting chance. And this monster stole all of that from her. Months after Jerry's indictment, he was back in court again. On February 5th, 2021, he pleaded guilty to first-degree premeditated murder. The circuit court judge sentenced him immediately, and he was given life in prison at the Graceville Correctional Facility. His plea gave Shanna all she needed to characterize Jerry. I try not to be that person who goes out and throws around terms like narcissistic and all that, because I don't really know, but it's hard for me to think anything other than the fact that he's just a despicable human and that he has, there, there has to be something wrong with him. I mean, obviously he is evil. I mean, I absolutely have no doubt that he's evil because it was premeditated, right? I mean, he, he pleaded guilty to premeditated murder. And I don't think anybody who isn't evil can do that. I mean, you're talking about taking the life of somebody, especially someone so lovely. Vicki had online dating profiles, just like 40% of our country's population. She fell in love and trusted a man who was kind to her, which is the goal of online dating, to find a partner. Jerry, this fucking monster, exploited Vicky's kind heart and leveraged her willingness to trust him against her. I look at people who are in relationships, you know, that aren't long-term or I haven't known them for a long time, and I immediately think, huh, something off with them, or are there red flags? What, you know, what are they really saying? And I mean, it does, it makes her a lot less trusting. Um in general, as you know, as far as relationships, and I mean, I've been married for 11 years, and had I met my husband now, I may have thought he was a total creep. So, obviously, with so many people doing online dating, I think one thing we need to make clear here, that more good comes from it than bad. But just like in regular relationships that meet, 
where people meet in person, some of them, a very, very low percentage, end in domestic violence that results in murder. So I don't want people to think we are suggesting that online dating is the devil here. I mean, there's bad people. I mean, the medium can't necessarily be blamed. That being said, though, you are op- there is a vulnerability with online dating because you're not meeting in person and you don't have this ability mm-hmm. to like meet through friends where you can have sort of a built-in background check, a built-in recommendation or a, you know, a built-in reference from a friend or a mutual friend or anything like that. Yeah, but I think that the story that makes it interesting is this an incident happened, you know, after they were dating for a while. So it'd be one thing if it happened, you know, after like the first date and then you find out he's this fucking monster. But this can happen to anybody anywhere at any time. Like you can get fooled and duped and like completely blindsided by by anybody that can be putting up this facade for their entire lives. Yeah. And I think I think one of the things though that I'm not going to say that it would have saved her, but uh, this was happening also in the vacuum of the pandemic. And I know it was also in Florida. Florida didn't necessarily take the pandemic as seriously as as other places did. But there was less of a chance to see him interacting with maybe a a group of people. There was less of a there was not going to be a party or something along those lines. So um, everybody was kind of like in their own pods doing their own thing. So there was less of a chance of somebody being able to go, you know, there's something not quite right about this guy. Honestly, I forgot about that. That also could be why the brother Derek didn't meet him. Didn't meet her. You know, Mm -hmm. like there was lots of excuses for people to not meet last year. Jeez. But honestly, it's like, it doesn't matter whether you meet in person or online. People who are versed, gifted liars can dupe fucking anybody. There's a reason Harvard educated people can get duped into cults. Like charismatic, narcissistic people who believe their own lies can trick anyone and Vicky did everything right, and none of this is her fault. This is all fucking Jerry's fault. Okay, well, a huge, huge thank you to Shanna for sharing her story today. If you're listening out there and you have a story to tell, please email us, hello at thefirstdegreepodcast.com. You can follow us on Instagram at thefirstdegree, at Alexis Linkutter, at Billy Jensen, at Jack Vanek. Join our Facebook group by searching The First Degree in the Facebook search bar. We're talking true crime all the time. And come back tomorrow in our feed because we're going to have a brand new episode of Killing Time for you. And remember, only you can prevent serial killers and keep your friends close. But not that close. <laughs> Happy, Happy biscotti day. day. Coffee day. Mm, go get yourself a nice espresso. Shout out to Jared Monaco for scoring and creating original music for The First Great, producing by Caitlin Cleveland, producing an additional writing by Taylor Rogers and Alan Santiago for Podcast One. Sources for this episode include the Pensacola News Journal, W-E-A-R-T-V, Court TV, Oxygen Network, and as always, our first three guests is always our largest source.